Uh, I did something on the way to Arkansas. I don't know if it was an aura resonating down that I just ran into. I have never done this in my entire life. Uh, I started driving at 16 years old, and I'm 35 years old. I think that's 19 years. Uh, I'm like sneaking up on 20 years worth of driving, and I have never done it. I've been really close on more than one occasion, sometimes in the church van with other people in the vehicle, but I have never, <clears throat> not one time, in my life, have I run out of gas? But this Wednesday, I was going from Shreveport to Texarkana, and I don't know if you've ridden on I-49 recently from Shreveport to Texarkana, but here's what I don't recommend. Leaving Shreveport with a quarter of a tank ain't going to get you there. Just letting you know. And so I got into Texarkana, and I looked over to the right, and I, and I, I didn't see. Apparently, Texarkana doesn't know how to trim trees, and all their gas stations were hiding behind it. It's obviously their fault I ran out of gas because they don't even know where they're from, like Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana. Like, pick one. Your city's divided by states. What's wrong with you? So I ran out of gas. There was a gas station right there. I'd missed the exit. I thought for a second, throw it in neutral, roll back, crank it into drive, and then. but I didn't want to do that on the interstate. So I, I tried to coast up to the next. The problem is, I don't know if you've tried to do this recently, but it is very difficult to coast uphill. Uh, so I ran out of gas. As soon as I passed the exit, I, my, my truck sputtered, and I, I rolled to the concrete edge. I mean, my, the back of my vehicle was right next to the edge of the concrete of the entrance ramp for that exit. There was a gas station right back there, and I thought, so here's what I did. My first thought was, I'll get out of the vehicle, put it in neutral on an incline, and, I, and, and I've still got it to where I can push this vehicle and steer at the same <laughs> So I, I did. I got out of my vehicle. I made sure there weren't too many vehicles coming. And, uh, and I don't know if you've pulled out, ran out of gas at an entrance lane, but that means you're getting your doors blown off on each side. I mean, people are just passing you. And so I thought, well, maybe if I get out of my vehicle, somebody will see me and help. But I forgot I was in Arkansas and people don't do it. So I got out and I'm pushing and it started moving. I was like, oh yeah, I got this. Well, apparently I hit some kind of bump or something and all of my joy left instantly as my truck began. I jumped back in and hit the brake. So I, and I sat in my truck. Here's the worst part of that whole story. Absolute worst part of this whole story is I was on the phone when I ran out of gas with my wife. You know, normally my wife, she's extremely empathetic. She's a very sensitive person. She's very sweet. She's like the sunshine of the room. But in this moment, when I ran out of gas, she says, and all those times, I can see her doing this in the background, that you were fussing at me about letting the tank go down below a quarter so that I don't mess up the fuel pump and mess up our vehicle and run out of gas. And I started to hang up, but I didn't want to bring dysfunction into my marriage in that moment of disappointment. <laughs> and I had this, I'm, I'm sitting there, I don't know what to do. I'm making phone calls. I'm stuck. I can't drive to Arkansas without any gas. Vehicles require gas to go. It is just part of the process. And all of a sudden, I look up, and this vehicle passes by, that first picture just of the, the back windshield of the vehicle. Yeah, right there. This is a true story. This guy passes by, and, and he slowed down. He looked right at me, and he kept going. 
And I thought, I'm in a bad way, y'all. God's gift just stared me in the face and kept driving. <clears throat> so as this guy passed me by, I was like, that go there, that's a lost opportunity. So then I see a truck coming with a trailer and a four-wheeler. And so I'm waving at the guy. And then he, he looks up, and he's two lanes over, and he's going fast. He's trying to not run over me, you know, so he's two lanes over, and he's like, like that. And so I just kept waving at the gas tank, the gas tank on his trailer. I could see. I just waved at it as it kept going. Well, finally, I sat there long enough and, and cried to God enough, I guess, that, that this guy actually turned around. He went three miles out of the way, the next exit, turned around, came all the way back around. He picked me up, took me to Walmart, got me a gas can, took me not to Walmart because he was a trucker. He was a truck driver, and he had retired, and he used to haul tankers with gas. So he said, Walmart puts too much water in their gasoline. I'm not letting you fill that up with Walmart gasoline. And I thought, well, let's go somewhere and pay 15 cents more then. So we drove to the next gas station, and, and I filled up that little gas tank, and, and he took me to back to my truck. He helped me fill up the gas tank, you know, because they'd have run over somebody from Louisiana. So he got out there, and we were okay, filled it up. He followed me back to the gas station, made sure that I got gas in my truck, and then saw me off. This is a picture of Mr. David Kidd at the gas station. I had to take a picture with him. In his floorboard was a license for ministry. He was a chaplain for truckers, and he had no idea that when God showed him an opportunity to help somebody out, that he was actually helping a young pastor get to a place to preach a revival for a friend that night. So he was so excited and so honored. I had to stuff my $20 in his pocket, and he tried to give it back to me three times, but I used his wife as an excuse to uh, keep that $20 and go get her something nice, spend it on himself. He let me buy him a cup of coffee. He wouldn't take anything else. And the point of that really elongated story is as disappointed as I was in what I had done, what I realized that my disappointment was actually a divine appointment. It was a moment and an opportunity for me to connect with somebody that I would have never otherwise connected with. In Isaiah chapter 9, the nation of Israel is in absolute disarray. Morality is at its lowest. Uh, impurity is at its highest. Kings are more concerned about self-protection. They concern themselves more with their own palace than with the people that God has given them to lead. Sound familiar? Uh, the priest of the Old Testament, which would be the pastors of the New Testament, they were way more interested in self-promotion and building their own kingdom than they were building God's kingdom. Sound familiar? And enter in the midst of all of this disappointment and dysfunction and division in the nation of Israel, enter a prophet. Enter Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6. And here's what he says to the nation of Israel. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. See, the answer always was and will always be Jesus. In the midst of our worst in the midst of our hardest, there's always a plan if we will surrender. 
Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. I've got a plan in the midst of your problem. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called. It's a replacement for everything that you're currently going through. Wonderful, counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. And then in verse 7, of the increase of his government. Now, theologically, this is interesting because verse 6 and verse 7 in Isaiah's prophecy covers the entire New Testament in two verses. See, verse 6 is about the Messiah coming. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And we see the message of the Messiah being born according to the Gospel of Matthew the Gospel of Luke, Mark, and John, telling the stories through their impressions and their insight of who Jesus was and what he did. But verse 7 is significant. See, verse 7 shows us not just the prophecy, but the process. Not just what the Messiah, the fact that the Messiah is going to come, but what he's going to do when he comes. And by the way, verse 7 is still happening today. Of the increase. Now I know it looks like currently things are going backwards. It may even feel like currently that it's going in the wrong direction. But I can promise you that nothing that's happening in 2019 or will happen in 2020 knocked God off of his throne or caused any confusion in the kingdom of heaven. Isaiah's prophecy came to pass in the book of Matthew and it will come to pass in the book of Revelation of the increase of his government. There will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, establish it with judgment and justice from that time, from what time? To the time that Jesus was born. To the time that Jesus came. Until the time that he comes back. There will be no end. It will come Forward even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, He will perform this. I want to share with you a message this morning entitled Disguised in Disappointment. Here's the subtitle of that message if you don't catch anything else that I say today God is not done, my Father is not finished. What he prophesied will come to pass. Christmas is the promise. Easter is the proof. And revelation is the purpose of why he sent his son. So that we could receive his answer. Disappointment happens to everybody. Disappointment is not only... a. A, no respecter of persons. Disres, disappointment has no regard for your history. Disappointment has no regard for your upbringing. Disappointment has no regard for your current social status. Disappointment has no regard for your ethnicity, for your gender. Disappointment has no regard for your Christianity. Anybody that tells you just come to Jesus and everything else will be okay, 
is selling you a distracting doctrine that will lead you astray. Disappointment has no regard for anyone or anything. Faith does not give us a pass from disappointment. But Jesus gives us a different perspective. Jesus sits above the painting. Jesus sits above the scene. He can see the whole story. And our faith in him does not give us a pass from ever being disappointed in this life. But our faith in him gives us a different perspective when we are disappointed. We know that there's got to be within that disappointment some sort of disguise for what God wants to do. It's just like well-meaning Christians, whenever you're having a frustrating day, to come up and give you some kind of biblical advice that you really didn't want to hear in that moment. Now, I don't know if that's never happened to you, then you're probably that person. I'm just trying to help you this morning. About 10 people just realized that I said something kind of funny, and everybody else was like, what was, what did he say, what did he say? <laughs> so, Welcome back. I said, well-meaning Christians will show up at the worst time in the heat of our frustration, and shove some scripture down our throat when we're already choking. They will say things like, if you are happen to confess, man, I'm really hungry. Some super spiritual Christian will come up and say, well, you know, brother, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word. And I don't know why we get all gospel-y. You'll say something like, man, I'm really tired. And they'll say, you know, Jesus said, come to me. Ye who are weary and heavy laden. And I don't know why we start singing in public. And I will give you rest. I don't, whatever it is, they'll even, we will even begin to say things that are unbiblical and sell them as scripture. We'll say things like, you know, time will heal all wounds. It may not. It may make it worse. Like you may become more bitter over time. You may become more lazy over time. You may become more arrogant, more prideful, or more hurt. You may become more in bondage over time. Because the last time I checked, time is not my healer. But I serve Jehovah Rapha. He's not ask, I'm not asking him to heal. I'm thanking, that he, thanking him that he is my healer. I turn to him, the author and the perfecter. They'll say things... <clears throat> In the midst of that moment, they'll say things like, and I, I hate this one, but, and I, you've heard me say it before. They'll say things like, well, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Guys, that's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God will give you more than you can handle every single day. In fact, if you've never been given more than you could handle, I would just uh, 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 insert here that you've probably never done anything for God. Because if you could handle everything that you're doing, then why do you need him to intervene so that he can accomplish something through you where only he receives the glory for it? God will give you more than you can handle. You will not be tempted beyond what you are able but God is faithful, and with the temptation, he will allow you a way to escape. But God will call you to do things that exceeded your expectation, your imagination, and even your request. In fact, the only way that you would have gotten it done is if God intervened and made a way where there seemed to be no way. That way, when you get to the other side of that fire, when you get to the other side of that valley, when you come out on the other side,
side of that victory, you can look up and say, but God came in. I'd still be stuck in the same rut and the same place and the same mess, the same sorrow, but God. And then God receives the glory and you don't give it to yourself. They'll say things like, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Guys, there are some things that happen in this world because we are a fallen people in a fallen place. And everything doesn't happen for a reason. In fact, if you doubt that everything does happen for a reason, I hope you stump your pinky toe this afternoon. I'm telling you, there ain't nothing like a good pinky toe stump help you realize that some things are just falling and they don't happen for any purpose whatsoever. None. Got your toenail hanging off of your pinky toe. Asking Jesus bring reason to it. Heaven's laughing, y'all. I'm telling you. They just got bored there for a minute. Somebody said, watch this. Maybe the enemy was standing there claiming that he still had you. God's like, oh, yeah, I think he's mine now. Stump his toe. Pow! And I start, ooh, da, blah, da, da, da. See, he'd have said something way different 10 years ago if he'd have stumped his toe. The right things are coming out now. See, the truth is everything doesn't happen for a reason. But hear me. God can bring reason to everything that happens. Romans 8, 28 is still as true today as it was the day that Paul dictated it. That God works all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? That you would be conformed into the image of his son. That's his purpose for you. In order to achieve what God created us for, we will have to learn how to deal with disappointment. Let me give you three things. Number one, we need to recognize disappointment. We need to recognize it for what it is. Disappointment is part of life. It happens. It's going to happen. It has happened. It will probably happen again. Listen, bad things don't just happen to good people. Bad things happen to everybody. Good things don't just happen for bad people. Good things happen for everybody. We live in a fallen world around fallen people, and bad things happen. But every good gift, come on, comes from above. The Father of heavenly lights. There's good and bad that happens, but God can bring reason to everything that happens. We need to recognize it. And when we recognize it, we will not allow disappointment to dictate how we live. When we recognize it, we will not allow disappointment to dictate how we live. Being disappointed is part of my life. But staying disappointed will ruin my life. I can recognize it. It's part of the process. He said the Messiah was coming. Now he sits at the right hand of God. I'm coming back to that. Disappointment, faith does not give you a pass. Faith makes you a promise. Let me show you the promise in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things. Why? So that in me, not in your bank account, 
not in your earthly relationships, not in what you drive, where you live, what you have, whether you're healthy or sick, whether you've ever suffered loss or everybody's great, not in those things that this world has to offer. But Jesus said, I've told you this. I've sent a preacher to preach this message to remind you that in me you can have peace in this world there's a biblical promise faith doesn't give you a pass faith gives you a promise that ultimately will give you a new perspective you will have trouble but take heart because I have overcome the world you're not here for this there's a greater purpose there's a disguise in your disappointment if you will let God reveal it and how we respond is what is most important when we're disappointed. Just an interesting, I, I found it amusing example. A friend of mine, Pastor Philip Dees, was telling this story. He talked about having a plan for disappointment. And he said, for instance, there was this time in my life where I fell for the infomercial. You ever fall in for an infomercial? You know, you're awake at a time and, and you cross that channel and you see this infomercial. And you buy that product. Well, the product that he bought was a Bowflex. You guys remember these things? I mean, they've got cords and handles and poles that flex around. And people were buying these things left and right. And Pastor Philip bought that Bowflex. And his expectation was that he would look like that beefed-up washboard guy on the infomercial within just a few weeks. You know, it'd, sell, it'd tell you three weeks of doing this with the bows and then this one and just a few things with them bows and those rods, that resistance training Bowflex. Man, that thing will make you look just like this guy who's on steroids and doesn't know how to wear a T-shirt. It'll help you help you out so he gets that bow flex in man he puts that thing together he looked like a spider monkey with rubber bands and bamboo sticks that thing was throwing him all over the place he put that thing apart threw it back in the box and went to the gym and got a membership and worked out with real people you know what he didn't do quit he was disappointed but he decided not to let his disappointment ruin his desire to get in shape you can't let your disappointment calls you to do something or to stay somewhere you've got to allow God to reveal recognize disappointment for what it is because I can promise you there will be times in life as a believer where you have to stay in line even though life seems out of line I'm trying to help somebody because Jesus said only those who endure to the end and there will be times in walking with Jesus where everything and everybody else seems out of line. And Jesus will continue to call you to follow him and stay in line. The good news is great stories always include adversity. Always include adversity. Number two, in dealing with disappointment. Release it. Release it. I quoted the scripture in angst a minute ago, but it's still a promise in God's word. Come to me, ye who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Jesus wants us to bring it to him. He wants us to release it. Hebrews says it this way. Cast off the weight 
and the sin that so easily entangles. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Release it. Confess your sin. You know how to stop carrying something? Confess it. When you confess it, you stop carrying it. Confess your sin to God because he's faithful and just to forgive. I don't know what kind of God somebody told you about, but mine is a heavenly father. And the reason he's an ever-present help in my time of need is because he was standing there waiting on me to call him. That's why he's an ever-present, because he was already right there waiting for me to turn around and ask for help. Confess and he is faithful and just to forgive. Confess one to another. Pray one for another. And you will be healed. Now that doesn't mean just go around vomiting your issues on anybody that will listen. People will run away from you. I want, I'm trying to help you develop healthy relationships right now. When somebody asks you in public how you're doing, they don't really mean it. Okay? They did not mean for you to take advantage of that opportunity to open up your book and start sharing all your struggles. That was not what Walmart is not the place. Okay, There ain't no couch to lay down in. That's why they put the couches up on the thing. People won't lay down and start telling their problems to everybody. They're still in the boxes. That's not why those are there. Now Hobby Lobby will lay it out for you. You can go take a nap in Hobby Lobby. That's a, good, that's a Jesus place. That's why it's like that. Release it. Share your secret. Pastor Chris Hodges says it this way. You will always be as sick as your secrets. Because you can't keep something hidden in the darkness and expect the enemy to leave it alone. You will always be as sick as your secrets. So share your secret. Release it. Silence will ruin your life. Disappointment won't ruin your life. But silence will. You weren't created to be alone. God looked at Adam and said, It is not good for you to be alone. He created you for community and communion. It's why we harp on small groups and recruit our leaders and we ask and we call and we beg people to lead a small group, to co-lead a small group, to host a small group, to get into a small group because relationship is not formed in rows. Relationship is developed in circles when people share their lives one with another and pray one for another. You receive healing because if the enemy can isolate you, he can infiltrate you. He will terrorize you if he can keep you alone. But when you release it, you confess, and you begin to confide in people that will pray with you. And by the way, listen, make those people spirit-filled and God-fearing. Don't listen to people that aren't God-fearing and spirit-filled. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And if you're not talking to people who have a reverent and healthy fear of a holy heavenly father, then they'll give you bad advice. Don't seek counsel from people that don't have what you're looking for. In other words, I love my daddy. 
But being divorced three times, he's not the one I was going to call on marriage advice. I'm just, I loved him, okay? But he's not the one. That's not who I was calling. Hey, Daddy, my wife's mad at me again. Leave her! <laughs> like, no! <laughs> That's not who I want to call upon. Number three, replace it. God doesn't want to just get rid of your sin. He wants to replace it with his spirit. He wants to replace it with his word. He doesn't want to just remove your disappointment. It doesn't mean when you come to Jesus, everything's just going to all of a sudden be okay. It means that when you come to Jesus, he's going to bring reason to every season. And even your wounds will be used as part of your testimony. You will carry it into the kingdom of God, but it will no longer hold you down. It will help you out. God will use it to transform your life and change your story. Here's what God is saying. Stop letting your scene become your story. Stop letting your story become a season. And if you've been stuck in this season, don't let it turn into a soap opera because those things are absolutely miserable. <laughs> My Lord. Never met a happy person stuck in a soap opera. I'm just letting you know. Just saying. It's not what those things are for. Replace it. Replace it. Replace it with what? Well, I dare you. For the rest of this year and going into 21 days of prayer and fasting, I dare you to give more time to Jesus. I dare you to spend more time with God. I dare you to replace your unhealthy music with worship and praise. With healthy music. It doesn't even have to be praise and worship. But it doesn't need to be something that put Jesus on the cross. I don't care what genre it is. But if Jesus died for it, turn it off. I'm trying to help you. Because we meditate on so many things. And very rarely is it ever what we were instructed to meditate on. And we wonder why we're so medicated and yet so miserable. Meditate on His Word day and night so that when you're afraid you will remember he said be not afraid but take courage take it take it it's yours for the offering take it take courage you'll remember that he said when you feel like you're losing your mind <laughs> come on <laughs> don't be looking at me like you ain't never done it <laughs> You lost your mind and your marbles in the same moment. <laughs> it happened, just all spilled out and came out your mouth in front of everybody. In that moment, when you feel like you're about to lose your mind, you remember God did not give me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound. When you're overwhelmed with anxiety, possibly even worry and depression, you can remember, meditate, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for no thing, 
but in prayer and petition with thanksgiving. That means I can replace the pressure of this life with praise to the one who created it. I can replace the pain of this life with praise to the one who created it. And remember that my disappointment is really just a disguise when I replace it with an authentic relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about drive-through Christianity where you pat yourself on the back because you completed a task on a Sunday or Wednesday. I'm talking about making this a daily discipline where you take up your cross, deny yourself, and you follow Jesus into places that you didn't even know he had prepared for you. That way, when you get there, he gets all the glory. My next thing is my best thing as long as I'm following the one who's planning my purpose. I don't have to stay here. My failure is not final. My father is not finished. My frustration is actually going to shift into my fulfillment whenever I allow God to reveal the disguise of disappointment. See, God will take disappointment and he'll shift it And he'll show you something in your destiny that you didn't even know you would need. See, if you weren't disappointed, you'd have just continued on in the same direction. But all of a sudden, the enemy had something evil planned for you, and God said, do it. You don't even know what you're doing right now. And what the enemy meant for evil, God shifted and changed your direction with. He gave you a new purpose. He gave you a new plan. And he had not left you or forsaken you. He was fulfilling everything that he had for you of the increase most people only embrace embrace progress and they despise the process because the process always involves obedience nobody wants that we just want to feel better we just want to have it our way and order it right now and then it be filled by the time we get to that window God is not a drive-through, guys. It's not who he is. But he is divine. And he can take disappointment and turn it into destiny. Let me show you a biblical example. I'm going to skip Matthew 1. Jump to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. The Bible says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. I want you to notice who else was in Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, I don't, ta- I don't have time to read you the genealogy of Joseph in the book of Matthew, beginning in verse 1, and then espoused in verse 16. But what you need to understand about Joseph is he was not supposed to be a Nazarene from Galilee. Joseph was supposed to be king of Israel. He was the rightful heir to the throne of David. And yet, he was a poor. I don't know if he was a bad one or if he just didn't have very many clients or maybe there weren't very many people around in Galilee, but he was a poor carpenter who was about to become an illegitimate father. See, he was betrothed to be married to a woman who was supposed to be a virgin but came up pregnant. And her best excuse was God did it. Mary needed a friend. Mary, come here, baby. Come here. Baby, you're going to have to come up with something better than that. (laughs) You can't blame your baby on the Holy Ghost. That ain't how this thing works. Like, we all know 
That ain't how that happens. <laughs> if you don't know how that happens, you can ask your mama after service. I'm not answering that email. I'm just letting you right now. So here's this man, the rightful king of Israel, betrothed to a pregnant woman, and it's not his baby. How's that for disappointment? But Luke chapter 2, verse 4. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. See, you got to get out of where you were in order to get into where he is. He got out of. Now, I'm not telling you you need to leave Eunice, but there's some things you need to leave. There may be some people that you need to walk away from for a moment. There may, need, may be some things that you got to separate yourself from for a season so that God can bring you back to them and you can be the reason in that season. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Do not let your disappointment turn into disobedience. Do not let your disappointment turn into more division. Do not let your disappointment turn into more dysfunction. Because where the world saw a poor man with an illegitimate son, God saw divine potential with the right and the ability to raise the only begotten son. I'm calling out some disappointment in many people's lives right now. I'm telling you that Jesus is still in the business of turning dysfunction into functionality. He's still in the business of turning ashes into beauty. He's still in the business of turning mourning into joy. Jesus is still in the business of taking death and revealing eternal life. Jesus is in the business of taking darkness and revealing the light. Your greatest disappointment is actually your greatest divine appointment. Disguised in your disappointment is your divine destiny if you will follow Jesus and not lose faith, but look for reason. It's what he does. But between the promise and the purpose is the process. And you've got to be willing to walk it out. If you would, bow your head, close your eyes. Lord, I thank you that my glory days are not behind me, but your best is yet to come. Lord, if there's anybody in this room right now that's been following you, but they've been carrying the weight of disappointment, May they tie a spiritual knot right now and hang on. Hold fast. Help is on the way. May we never lose faith. May we never give up. But in due time, reap a harvest. Lord, help us to remember that you have not forgotten us and you have not forsaken us. So Lord, we cast off the weight and the sin that so easily entangles and trips us up. And we fix our eyes upon the Messiah. We fix our eyes in faith. And we ask for your perspective, even in the absolute worst. With every head bowed and every eye closed, before you can take another step in this life, you've got to understand 
that the most important step you ever take is out of darkness and into light. The most important decision you ever make is to receive salvation from a debt that you could have never paid. But God so loved that He gave. Emmanuel, God with us. He paid it. He already carried it. All you have to do is receive. Ask forgiveness because your Father wants to forgive you. Believe that Jesus came, gave His life, was resurrected from the dead so that you could live and confess Him as Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you need to make Jesus Lord of your life right now, you need to surrender all to Him for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. What a great Christmas present you could give. If I'm talking to you, we're going to pray in 20 seconds. And if you want to be included in that prayer, right where you sit, I want you to lift your hand in the air, confessing to yourself, to your Father, Lord, please include me. I surrender. Take my life, Lord. Just lift your hand right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come point you out. We're not even going to call you to the front. We're just going to offer you an opportunity to pray a prayer of confession. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Praise God. Don't miss the moment. Don't let the enemy rob from you what was purchased from you by God. Anybody else? Father, right now, pray that you would help us. If you raised your hand, even if you didn't, church, I want to invite you to join every single person that needs to pray this prayer out loud for the first time or the first time in a long time. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Come on, let's call upon his name together. Jesus, forgive me where I fall short. Forgive me for letting disappointment distract me. Maybe even be disobedient. Cleanse me. Save me. Use me for your kingdom. May I follow you with all of my heart. I believe you died and yet you live. So take my life and make it yours in Jesus' name.